Hello and welcome to another episode of The Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. That's right, the stuff you do every day. You're in the business of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. You tune in here because you want good information, and today is no exception. Today we're talking about fake news, specifically why we in agriculture lose to fake news. All right, I did just record a Facebook Live about this very topic. I recorded another video I'm going to put on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I also wrote an article about this topic. I think this is an important enough issue that we need to take it on head-on as an industry. There have been a couple of other articles. I saw them when I did my research on this, and my topic and my point is really not like what other folks have covered on it. Here's from the very beginning. Let's just, let's just go ahead and just say, all right, what the heck are we talking about? All right, Damien, I tune in all the time. You know, I'm a hog operator out here. Damien, I tune in because I sell seed. I'm in the equipment business. Whatever role you have, you care about this issue because negative or misinformation, falsehoods about our industry are not only disparaging, but also financially damaging to our industry. So that's what we're talking about here. Let's go ahead and just define this. First off, fake news. It's a term that's pretty new. It came up with the 2016 election perpetuated, uh, we're talking about media perpetuated misinformation. So it was a big term starting about a year and a half ago. We've heard a lot of it. Now, anything that somebody or some group disagrees with, they call it fake news. Well, I don't like what you said. Fake news. Well, I disagree on the grounds of my political beliefs. Uh, fake news. Now, what we're talking about here, and from my standpoint, is the media putting out misinformation. But let's not pretend this is anything new. Trust you me, it is not. I came up doing political comedy. Okay, you've heard that if you listen to this show. I started out 24 years ago as a political comedian. To be a political comedian is to really be a professional observer of the day's events and then get on stage and comment about them with your point of view, your perspective, and obviously it has to be current. So I used to read tons of newspaper. Every day I read the USA Today, sometimes Wall Street Journal, sometimes glance at the New York Times, pull headlines, pull stories from all these different sources. I watched CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC. I used to watch hours and hours of news with a notepad. So when you're a political comedian or a comedian at all, you're really a professional observer. As a political comedian, you're not only a professional observer of your people, you observe the media. I've been watching this for a long, long time. The media, just understand this, has never truly been about truth. The media is never, did you hear what I said? The media has never truly been about the truth. Truth lacks emotional spin. The goal of media fake or otherwise, is to trip an emotional trigger, thereby affecting an outcome. Did you hear what I said? The goal is to trip an emotional trigger and affect an outcome. So when Walter Cronkite said his, his, he missed being the at the anchor desk at CBS because he missed being able to affect the outcome of the day's events, you or I say, wait a minute, Walter Cronkite, your job wasn't to affect the outcomes, it was to report them. But you don't take action when it's just information because you're emotional because humans are emotional. Our consumers are very emotional. That's why fake news works for them. I'll give you another example. I wrote this in my blog. NBC's Brian Williams. Remember that? Four years ago, he got caught conflating a story, to use his word. I'm Brian Williams. I guess I conflated the... No, you didn't conflate it. 
you self-reported and basically had yourself in the role of John Wayne on the sands of Iwo Jima. You're probably in a bunker somewhere typing on a laptop drinking a Starbucks, Brian Williams. So the point is, there's been fake news for a long time. Organizations, cause groups, folks that are critical of, say, any organization, any industry, use media to their advantage, to sculpt the agenda, to affect the outcome. And agriculture has been on the wrong side of this kind of fake news for a lot of years. I'd say that maybe we're the industry that's been impacted by it the longest. Why? Think about it this way. First off, every American eats. Every North American, if you happen to be in Canada. Every person eats. They eat a lot, in fact. Go to Walmart, as I point out to my audiences. We're a couple years away from needing to upgrade those little scooters there at Walmart to full-blown SUVs to get these people around. So everybody eats in some countries more than others. Also, fear is a base-level emotion. Mad, sad, glad, fear. Those are your four base human emotions. Don't ever forget that. So if you want to make sure you're, in, you're interesting to people and they will react, appeal to the four emotions. Mad, sad, glad, fear. Fear works the best for the media. So you can f scare people. And you're also talking about an ignorant consumer base. They've never grown crops, didn't milk cows like me or graze calves like you or me. They didn't put hay in the barn. They didn't grow corn, produce cotton. They've never done anything. They've never done production agriculture. So they're very agriculturally ignorant. Fear works because they eat every day. And also they don't really know that much about the topic. So let's just go with this whole thing back, say, 30 years ago. Remember the anti-egg movement? I don't know how old you happen to be, but the anti-egg movement probably began in the late 70s, early 80s. About the same time, anti-cholesterol, anti-fat movement was taken off. We've since learned that maybe that's not really good information. But it never mattered because if you were anti-egg, maybe you're a vegan, maybe you're an animal rights crusader. Maybe you just sell something like egg beaters or artificial eggs. It helps you to hop on the fake news bandwagon that says that eggs are bad. You understand? It's not even always non-ag people that use fake news and misinformation to push their agenda because you're using fear to create an emotional trigger that causes and affects an outcome. Eggs survived, but I will say that as recently as 2012, just six years ago, a Time Magazine headline had an article that said, is eating, eating eggs really as bad for your heart as smoking? Dig that. Is eating eggs really as bad for your heart as smoking? Question mark. Well, no, eggs aren't as bad for your heart as smoking, but for crying out loud, it's a matter of demonizing through misinformation, and then you get the outcome. Eggs survived. You probably had some this morning. I had one yesterday on my chef salad, a chicken chef salad. I had the chicken and the egg. Don't ask me which one came first. <laughs> Today, it's gluten. Now, tomorrow will be something different. You understand how this goes? The media realizes people eat every day. You want people to tune in. You've got to strike at their emotions, and you've got to give them a reason to tune in. Media is not the encyclopedia. This is why I tell my audiences, and I'm telling you. Understand this. The media is a profit-driven selling forum, not an encyclopedia. These are multinationals, in some cases, corporations. These are huge businesses. Time Warner, Fox News, Dow Jones, name it. It's all Gannett. It's all business. They don't have to have 
the most accurate information, what they have to have is advertisers. To have advertisers that you can charge, they need viewers, listeners, readers, and subscribers. You understand now? They need you to be tuning in. And when they do that, they then, or logging on, and when they do that, when they have clicks and readers and watchers and eyeballs, then they can sell advertising space to make revenue. People say, oh, Damien, don't you think the media has a responsibility? Yeah, they do. You know who the responsibility is to? Their shareholders. Does that put it in perspective for you? In 1996, Oprah Winfrey brought on a Humane Society of the United States representative, allegedly a former rancher from Montana. Now, how much of a rancher was he to then take up sides of the HSUS? Probably not much of one. And this gentleman, his last name was Lyman. You can look it up. This gentleman, in 1996, and maybe you're too young to remember it, so that's why I'm giving you the backstory on this, Oprah Winfrey at the time had the biggest talk show in America, right? So the, pretty much the whole 90s and 2000s, she commanded that space. Man, oh man, if you sat around at home during the day, you tuned into Oprah, or you taped it on your VHS tape, or then DVRs came along. Doesn't matter. She had one hell of a following. Oprah Winfrey brings on a humane side of the United States member and representative, a paid employee, of the HSUS, who speculated wrongly that mad cow disease was rampant in the United States beef herd. He even went so far as to compare mad cow disease to AIDS. Now, again, taking it back, if you can imagine the 90s, we still were worried that AIDS was going to kill all of America. You know, Magic Johnson came out in 1991 with his whole AIDS diagnosis. This is a different time, but it was also, again, using fear. So do you think this pushed fear? Of course it did. Oprah Winfrey's guest says that you, uh, that uh, mad cow disease is in every animal in the beef herd in the United States. We're all going to die. Look at AIDS. Oh, my God. So the Texas cattleman, I think it was, sued Oprah and said it was about financial damages. Now, the problem is, has got sort of changed in a court. She moved her TV show to Amarillo and taped from there. So all of a sudden, she made a big media spectacle out of it and said that her speech was being infringed upon. Oprah took the angle that this was a matter of free speech, even though her and her guest, because she then proclaimed in front of her legion of minions and followers that she has that she would never eat a cheeseburger again, and they all cheered. So she used this to her advantage, claims that it cost her millions of dollars of uh, of. Uh, defense. I don't know if that's true or not. She made all kinds of money because she made it like she was being somehow mistreated by these cattle people. Oprah won. Just so you know that. Beef sued Oprah. Oprah won. Now you know why fake news flourishes. She made it about freedom of speech. So this has gone on for a long time. I gave you examples from the old days, but it's gone on for a long, long time. And agriculture has borne the brunt of this in many ways. So I'm going to tell you why we in ag lose to fake news. That's where I'm going right now. Because again, everybody eats. Fear is a base level human emotion and humans are emotional beasts. The media uses this. And then our cause groups are smart enough to understand it. Do you think that Oprah had the guy from Humane Society on there because he's the most knowledgeable beef man in all of North America? Of course not. Oprah knew at a time when mad cow disease was being reported in Europe that beef fear would sell. Likewise, the humane side of the United States knew their false messaging would harm their adversary, which is animal agriculture. 
Now, they won't say that that's their adversary. They say they just want humane treatment. But you and I both know they want to control American diets. They want there to be no leather on, on in, the, in the closets. They want there to be no steak on the plate. They want there to be no animals in the feed yards or in the pastures of farmers and ranchers. And that's where I'm going with this. I've told you to understand that the media is a profit-driven selling forum, not an encyclopedia. It's not about data and information. It's about eyeballs, viewers, tuner-inners, and subscribers and listeners. That's what the media needs to stay in business. Our adversaries, the humane societies, the PETAs, the environmental working groups, the, the vegans, the people that want to control the American diet but can't say that because the Americans would revolt then instead use fake news, media-fueled misinformation to accomplish their goal and push their agenda. So that's what we need to understand. That's why we lose to fake news. We're out here playing the wrong ball game. I'm going to tell you now how we can stop losing to fake news. If you somehow stepped away, if you somehow just caught this thing at the 13-minute mark, my name is Damian Mason. You're listening to The Business of Agriculture, a podcast where we discuss issues that are impacting food, fuel, fiber, and farming. I do thank you for joining me, and obviously, this thing's starting to take off. Uh, I would really like you to share this. I'd like you to pass this along to somebody and do me a favor, bring me some more listeners, because I don't want to be sitting here talking to myself. I want you, the good people of The Business of Agriculture, to be here with me. Why do we lose to fake news? I'm going to tell you why in three simple parts. First off, ag plays defense rather than being offensive. Did you hear that? We in agriculture play defense rather than being offensive. So our opponents frame the message and we react to the false claims. Eggs are going to kill you. Well, wait a minute. We have data that says eggs aren't going to kill you. But after you come out a month later to defend yourself, the messaging has already been framed. It's already in the consumer's head. Remember, an agriculturally ignorant consumer, a scientifically ignorant consumer, because we don't maybe you know, ring the bell here in North America on scientific knowledge. They go with what they've heard first. It's a power of persuasion. It doesn't make it right. I'm just telling you that's what it is. It's the power of persuasion. It's what people do. They go with what they've heard first, and deep down somewhere in their head, they revert to what they've heard. Wrong, right, or indifferent, it is wrong. <laughs> That's what happens. So we play defense after the frame of the message has already been out there. You don't believe this happens? Ask consumers. Just go to some of your friends. Go to some of your friends in town, some suburban people. Ask them if eggs are healthy or if beef contains mad cow disease. You would be surprised if you pulled 50 people, 10 people, at the answers you were getting. You'll be surprised at how well the misinformation stuck. Number two reason we lose to fake news is we play nice, our opponents do not. Did you understand that? We think that if we just go along, we'll get along. I, I got to tell you, I'm kind of critical of the Farm Bureau at the national level, the American Farm Bureau Federation. They ought to be fighting battles and they ought to be fighting battles the way our opponents fight us. Why don't we? We could run media hit pieces on our detractors, but we don't. Anybody outside of agriculture doesn't know that the Humane Society really is just a bunch of paid staffers. That 95% of their revenue that comes in through donations goes to pay for initiatives against agriculture and payroll. There's still a bunch of people that believe it's all about taking care of sick dogs and injured kitties. 
So why don't we inform and expose our pushers of fake news and misinformation for what they are? Because we play nice. And we think if we just play nice, we'll benefit. Wrong. We don't. Number three reason we lose to fake news. We use facts to a consumer base that is caught up in feelings. You ever hear the statement that logic has no place in an emotional argument? Write that down. Logic has no place in an emotional argument. So we use facts. Our consumers are caught up in feelings. Rather than explaining production agriculture to these people from the standpoint of why we cut needle teeth, why we chop off tails, why we dock tails, why we put anhydrous ammonia into the soil, instead of using the uh, data and the NPK or the animal husbandry reasons of reproduction or any of those things, why don't we just make it about the feelings of our consumers? Make it personal. Remember, they've never produced a pig. They've never grown a crop. They don't understand this. So our data is lost on them. Make it more about our feelings and their feelings. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Consumer, these radical fringe groups want to control what you feed your family. They want to control your shopping cart, your dinner plate, your closet. They're trying to take over your decisions. Are you going to let them? That's emotion, ladies and gentlemen, instead of facts. That's feelings rather than data. So why we lose to fake news, I just told you. Ag plays defense rather than playing offense, and we are terrified of being offensive. It's our country propriety. It's how we decide we're going to be nice and get along, but we're not getting along. We're getting our ass handed to us. Stop playing defense, start being offensive, and go out there so that we frame the message rather than letting fake news frame the message. Number two reason, we play nice. Our opponents do not. We need to learn how to fight at their level. If you're being attacked by gorillas, stop walking across the field thinking you're in a friendly, gentlemanly duel. Okay? That's how you got to understand this. Number three, stop using facts, start using feelings, because our consumers are not logical and factual in many ways, and the media and fake news pushing the misinformation is anything but factual and logical. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you that fake news is a term for an old practice. It's a new term, but it's an old practice. Using myth misinformation to trigger an emotional reaction, thereby affecting an outcome. That's what we're talking about. Misinformation to trigger an emotional reaction and thereby affect the objective and the outcome. Our detractors are brilliant at it. They're better than us because we keep fighting wrongly. I think the better that the business of agriculture understands this, we will be so much stronger when we start to affect our own outcomes and we understand how to battle misinformation in the marketplace. I'm Damian Mason. I very much appreciate you joining me for this episode of the Business of Agriculture. Please join me again. Like I said, we talk about issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming, and I very much appreciate you coming along for this one. Thank you. Till next time.